So we are very fortunate to have Gary Vaynerchuk joining us here today. Everyone get to your feet, give him a big hello, and welcome Gary V. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. I've been in Vegas for four days, so I'm going to take a chair because I'm really f***ing tired. You know, I was talking to the guys and gals uh, of this event, and I actually think, given the size of the room and the fact that, you know, especially if we close all the doors, I think I may go into heavy Q&A because um, my concern is, I mean, listen, I'll talk the whole time if you want me to, um, but, but my concern is that I've been thinking a lot. So let me start with this opening statement. I actually think all of business, actually all of life is completely predicated on providing value. Right, that you know, if you don't provide value, like I don't give a f- if you're the best marketer of all time. If your product sucks, you're gonna lose. Like you can do everything great and have every tactic right and know how to do social perfectly and have the greatest landing page conversion funnel you've ever seen and SEO your face off and all that stuff. But if when it gets to that point, you are unable to build retention or word of mouth of scale of the network effect of the quality of what you're selling, you cannot build a real business. You will ultimately tap out or slash fail. And so my whole life has been predicated on the fact that I think about how do I bring the most value possible for whatever I do. When my life took me into a place where my career was predicated on selling wine, I wanted to sell it for the lowest price possible, have the best possible customer service, recommend the best new wines that I possibly could because that was how I could provide value. When I write books or speak, I always think about how can I just give everything away? I, I don't want to sell anything. I want to give as much possible as that I, knowledge that I can because it becomes leverage to anything I may want to have long term. See, I'm very, very predicated on running a marathon in a world that I think is running a sprint. I think when we think about 2014 and when I think about the entrepreneurs in this room and marketers and the brands that I work with, we live in a world where people lack patience. We just don't have patience. And I promise you that if you're able to, whether it's financially or emotionally, put yourself in a position to have patience, you have a far better chance of succeeding. Your decision-making path becomes far clearer and you build much more leverage to actually build wealth or work-life balance or legacy or whatever makes you tick. So, you know, speaking of that, how the hell I got on that rant, I put out a ton of content, right? I write books, I put out tons of videos online, I speak all the time. So when I think about sitting in this room, I can talk about a lot of things that you've heard from me before. I could talk about a lot of things that you could go into your hotel room or your house later and watch online and get the same content. What I'd much rather do is get dramatically more specific to anything that I can answer. So let me ask this question and then off that question I'll decide how much I want to spiel and how much I want to Q&A. How many of you in this room feel like you have some sort of grasp of me and the things that I believe in and or talk about? Raise your hand. And how many do not? Okay. Well, f- you guys. Um, <laughs> uh, so, um, so for the for the hands that went up, I'll go very quickly, um, and then since the majority does know, I do want to kind of go into specifics. I'm a storyteller. 
that's if you ask me what I am. When I met my wife in 2003, long before storytelling became an attractive word, I asked her that when I died, that's what I wanted it to say. Right after the family stuff, you know. So you know, I uh, I believe in stories tremendously. I, I think that when you think about how things sell, how things are sold, they're sold by stories. They're sold by stories that either the brand created or stories that other people created, and so. Stories really matter. How you, the way you feel when you wear the products that you wear are predicated on storytelling. You know, they represent who you are. The reason you believe it represents who you are is because stories were told of what that represents to society. So I think, I think it's very important to understand that if you're selling concrete, that you need to understand your story. That even the most basic, non-interesting things, your story may not be, be predicated on your product. Your story may be predicated on how you got to your product. Or you know, uh, my story is very predicated on the fact that I was born in the Soviet Union, that I immigrated to the US, that I didn't grow up with much, that I sold lemonade and baseball cards, that I fell in love with wine. Storytelling really matters. I'm a storyteller, so that's the context there. I kind of gave you a little bit of my backstory a little bit there. I eventually fell in love with wine. I, I can tell you that all of my business success is actually predicated on, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. I've come to realize I actually suck crap at almost everything, right? That I'm fundamental, I was a DNF student. I'm a really poor student, which means I'm not organized and I don't like to do like the fine details, which matter, because execution matters, but I don't like that. Luckily for me, most people are good at that. It's actually a commodity, so I can surround myself with that all day long. Um, but it matters. Um, but what I'm good at, and if, I don't know how many, how many people here are baseball fans? Just raise your hands. Just go. Okay, so Mariano Rivera is a baseball player. He just retired. He was the closer of the New York Yankees for 15, 20 years. The guy had one pitch. The guy basically, I mean he had a couple, but he had one specific pitch that nobody figured out how to hit for 18 years and he's gonna go down as one of the best pitchers of all time. I really think that that's what I'm about. There's only one thing I'm really good at, which is the understanding of the psychology of the end consumer of what they're gonna buy before they think they're gonna buy it. That's it, that's all I got. In 1996, without owning, owning a computer, without owning a computer, without being techie in my whole life, in 1996, I launched a dot-com website for my family's liquor store business called winelibrary.com. Only because I believed, even though everybody told me in 1994 and five that they would never put their credit card into a computer, that nobody would ever buy wine on the internet, excuse me, on this information superhighway, because that's what we called it. (laughs) Even that all that happened, I believed. I believed. Even though everybody said that YouTube was stupid and wasn't gonna mean anything, in 2006 when it came out, within months I started a wine show on YouTube called Wine Library TV, which started the process of me becoming internet famous. I believed YouTube was gonna really matter, that it wasn't just gonna be random videos of cats falling off trees or people putting Mentos in Pepsi and it exploding. I thought, and I didn't think it was just gonna be 10 year old kids watching it. And that's what played out. And in 2007, when everybody, even in the tech world, said Twitter was the dumbest shit ever, I didn't. And I put 10 hours a day into building a community there and established my presence there and leveraged that to a lot of the things that most of you even know me for. So what I spend a lot of time on is understanding what's about to happen based on what I believe because I think that we trick ourselves 
in our own brains. We say we're not gonna do things that I know we're going to. For example, by show of hands, how many of you in this room said that you were never going to have a Facebook account five or six years ago? Raise your hand. And of those 20 people, how many of you do have a Facebook account? Exactly. And that plays over and over. Tons of people here are like, I'm never getting on that Snapchat. And then they get on that Snapchat, right? And that happens over and over and over again. So establishing that, the thing I wanna really talk to you guys about is what you're selling for a living. I really wanna challenge everybody in this room more than anything else to understand that what the internet's really doing, what social networks are really doing is it's bringing full transparency to our society. And that every person in this room, let me make a statement to you that I think you'll find humorous. Is it my firm belief that 80% of the people's great-grandfathers in this room were racists? Right? But it is lost in history. All the dumb shit that your great-grandparents did is gone. Lost in history. Everything you think and act on is now being documented because we are more and more documenting our thoughts. Putting out pictures. Talking about our things. I implore everybody in this room to really think for 30 seconds now. Not about the next three months or six months. But are you going to feel phenomenal telling your grandkids about what you did for a living and how you rolled as a human being and how you made your money. Because I promise you, if you don't, you're gonna lose a very big game. You know that girl the other day that tweeted out that thing when she was going to Africa and it took over inter- Twitter and the internet? How many people are familiar with what I'm talking about, the Rocco incident? Not One more time, raise your hands because not as many as I thought. Okay, so the day before Christmas for the majority of this room that doesn't know about this, a woman a PR gal at a company, IAC, in New York was heading to Africa on her holiday trip and made a completely ludicrous statement on, on uh, Twitter. I don't even want to, I, it's so uncomfortable. I, I feel, and I curse my ass off and I feel uncomfortable repeating it. But it was completely ridiculous. And everybody's like, you know, and, and you should really look it up. I think it's, Ro- I mean, I think her last name's Rocco. I don't, Justine Rocco, I think is the name exactly. But you should be able to find it pretty easily. And everybody's talking about like, oh, she, and she got fired. By the, by the way, she tweeted it. Here's why it took off. She, uh, plenty of people tweet dumb <laughs> Here's why. She tweeted it right before she got on the plane for 14 hours. And it got viral while she was still in the air. As a matter of fact, it was insane. If you Googled her name the last four hours of her flight, if you Googled her name, Google results showed the tracking of the flight. They did. It was insane. To, it was insane. Anyway, there was a picture tweeted at Cape Town of like 50 reporters there waiting for her when she landed. And so it was the sensationalism. And by the way, this exploded on Twitter. It shows the lowest common denominator of us as human beings being thrilled about somebody's demise. But it wasn't really that. It was that it wasn't done. It was still playing out, right? It's like the OJ chase. That's what, it wasn't over yet. We didn't know what was gonna happen. Anyway, everybody talks about like, oh, you know, don't tweet bad things, you'll get fired. And I sit there and I'm like, fired? That's the last problem she has. This is basically the legacy of this 30-year-old woman's life forever. And so, I think I want to start very high and then we'll go low because your questions we can get into details. And please, I don't want to go philosophical. I want to get into the business aspects. But the business aspects matter to the overall concept, which is we have to make smart decisions. When looking for money, 
Because let's not forget why we're here. I mean, uh, unless I'm confused, we're under the context of commerce and business in this room. Which, oh, by the way, the scorecard in that is money. When looking for money, when you're looking for it, you are willing to make decisions that don't feel good in lieu of it because you want it so bad. And so if you're able to somehow position yourself not to need it right this second, I promise you, you have a far better chance of getting it and more importantly, a far better chance of getting it and feeling good about how you got it. And so, you know, for me the theme is patience. You know, no matter what you're doing here, please understand that 36 months from now is not that long. It's not, I mean, you know, I met this nice kid back there, he's 17, he's like, you know, can you give me some advice? I'm like, if you do everything wrong for the next five years, you're still gonna be young as and you can pick it up and keep going, right? <laughs> like, if you literally do everything wrong. And, and, and that to me is the point of it all, right? Which is, that, which is that, I don't know, I spend a lot of time traveling and consulting and building my own businesses and I'm in rooms like this quite a bit and I understand and I'm massively concerned because of the lack of patience which then gets into decision making that I think is suspect at best. That's me being polite, right? And I think people are writing their legacies and I highly implore you that you don't want to lose the leverage of your name as a human being being tarnished because in three, four, five, six, seven years from now, in a world of Google Glass, it's not just what people have on your reputation in the first result on Google. People are gonna roll up on you in real life and have every piece of information at their fingertip or maybe their eye tip and if those results don't feel good and if people are questioning your moral status and those kind of things, you are going to be in trouble. So, I'm starting with that. Because that's the single most important thing. Because if you get that wrong, nothing else will work. Now, the other thing I'm paying a lot of attention to because of the internet, social networks, what have you, is where do people actually pay attention? Like what's really actually happening? Because we're living through a huge shift. People's eyeballs and ears and ultimately their attention are shifting. See, we have a very broken business culture in America right now. It's all about scale. How many followers do you have? How many impressions did it get? How many people are in your email list? Wrong game, wrong game. The right game is how many care and how many convert, right? And so when people are thinking about top line numbers, they're not thinking about the bottom line execution. And so what's wrong on social right now is a lot of people are putting out stuff and they care about the overall reach and how many people, and that's important. You have to have an at bat. But if you're not understanding the conversion, you're gonna lose. And so. The reason I wrote this last book, Jab, 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 Right Hook, it stands for give, 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 and then ask. I implore everybody to think about when they're putting out, and I have no idea what you do for a living, and we'll get into that in a second, but if you're putting out an email, or a tweet, or a Facebook status update, or an ad, no matter what you're doing, when you are talking to the world, if you do not leverage the fact by giving people up front, you then are in a leverage point of the ask, if you do not understand that mechanic, you will lose, because we have a supply and demand issue. Understand, we have a supply and demand issue on information. 20 years ago, we had 30 channels of television. And we had newspapers and magazines and the radio. And that was the game, right? The internet didn't exist. How many people here remember when the internet did not exist? Raise your hands. Some youngsters in here. What the internet has done, and then 
the products built on top of it, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and on and on, has created a supply and demand issue. There's not that many more people, yet there's that many more people vying for people's attention and saying that they're this or they're that. And so we have a supply and demand issue. To be great now, you have to be better than you used to be because in the old days, there were people that decided who were gonna be the people we cared about. They put them on television. They allowed them to write for the newspaper. They were the kingmakers. The kingmakers have lost that power and now the internet is the kingmaker and what we all have the ability to do is put out stuff. Except, that sounds all great and that sounds so exciting but the flip side is, so does everybody else. And so we have to differentiate and we have to provide value. And to me, the way, that what I've watched, and I've watched this for a long time, the number one way for you to break out and actually win, no matter what you do, is to give first and use that leverage. And so, if you look, look, I watched the hashtag of this event starting last night and even on my flight this morning. And then I saw a bunch of people and I didn't know a lot of you and I knew you were here because you were using the hashtag. So then I did my normal fun little thing that I like to do and then I started looking at your accounts and looking at your business accounts. And I can tell you right now, there's a lot of people in this room that are in the right hook, right hook, right hook, right hook business. Every post on your Facebook accounts and every second post on your Twitter accounts is something in your best interest. You don't give a about the people that follow you. You want something and you're providing nothing in return. There is a really interesting audacity slash entitlement going on in entrepreneurship right now in America. Let me tell you something about building a business. You're not entitled to (laughs) You're not. Just because you started a business and you have something to sell, you are not entitled to anything. The consumer's gonna decide if they want it or not. And by the way, even if you've been successful for a little while, you still have to be great again and again and what you did for me two days ago becomes completely irrelevant. And so I highly, highly recommend that a lot of people start adjusting their overall business philosophy and then that gets into the execution of how you're putting out content on all these platforms of some sort of variation of providing value, whether you're curating links from other places that are interesting information. I mean, if you're reading information and you find it to be good, you should put it out there. It is not your competitive advantage that you read something on the internet. Somebody else is gonna read it too. There's this notion of like the information is your competitive, information has never been less valuable than it is today. You know why? It's at your fingertip. Who's the 13th president of the United States? I don't know, this old (laughs) It is, it is literally, it is literally, it has literally never been less valuable to be book smart. It has never been less valuable than right this second to be informational smart. This is what my big problem is with the education system. We're teaching our kids to memorize stuff that they have on their phones. It's ludicrous. So, it has never been, so please, don't think the information you're reading, because and the reason I'm painting you this picture is I want to give you guys the easiest way to bring value to your community. The easiest way to bring value to your community is to be a DJ, not a songwriter. Songwriting is hard. Producing original content and original thoughts is very difficult. Consuming content and then deciding what's good and being the DJ to your community by adding a word or two to put it into context to your world and then passing it on 
is the lightest weight to relevance right now within the social web and I highly, highly pay attention. You should look at a guy by the name of Jason Hirschhorn. He has an email newsletter that I think does this the best and I think doing it for social is a, is a very good play, one that is the lightest weight for you to be able to do it. So, you know, to me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a basic economics guy, supply and demand. Supply and demand, right? Right now we have a lot of supply of information and products and services and just because you do it doesn't mean you're gonna get anything. And it's gonna get way worse because every single youngster right now is vying and looking at entrepreneurship as a dramatically more interesting value proposition than going to school for four years collecting $250,000 in debt and then trying to go get a $40,000 job. As that continues to happen, we'll have even more voices and guess what? I was phenomenal at 17. I was a real businessman already. I was already making four or $5,000 a weekend selling baseball cards when I was 12 years old. I knew how to run a business. There's, I'm not underestimating any 17-year-old, 22-year-old, 21-year-old, just because they're young doesn't mean they don't bring value to the conversation and they have advantages that the technology and how we deliver information is something they're dramatically more native to than a lot of their competition in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. So we have some really fundamental massive culture shifts in our society and I'm gonna tell you right now with all due respect to all of you in this room, including myself, we're all underestimating it. We are all underestimating what's coming. The amount of technology shifts, the way that we're gonna have to sell our products and services are going to massively shift over the next half decade. I mean, guys, there's drones about to deliver to your house. I mean, do you understand that? I mean, people, I mean, people are grossly underestimating how we're gonna reach people. I mean, the, how many people here watch television when they want to? Meaning, don't raise it yet, meaning, but thank you for your, some feisty people in here. <laughs> meaning, when you watch your favorite television show, let's eliminate sports and, and like the results show of The Voice. Let's eliminate live events. How many people here now watch TV when they want to watch it on HBO on the go, on demand, DVR. How many people watch your favorite show when you want to watch it, not when it actually airs? Raise your hands. Higher. I want to get a sense. Okay, 85%. How many of those people have fast forwarded every single television commercial this year? <laughs> hold them up. Can you guys hold them up? I want the front rows to look back. I want everybody to get a sense of this number. So we're talking about 80% of the 80%. We're talking about an industry that is a $60 billion industry, television commercials, of brands trying to reach you to sell you product. Yet, in 2014, instead of 2003, we're in a world, in 10 years, we're in a world where it has collapsed as a viable place to storytell to you because you are fast forwarding through it. And even if you're lucky enough, even if you're lucky enough to get your commercial through to somebody, Every person in here, the second they're watching something and the commercial comes on, goes and grabs their phone. So it's not just about the impression, it's about the attention. So not only did you not see the commercial the far majority of time, but the other times that you saw the commercials, you didn't pay attention to them. And so we need to figure out how to get people to pay attention. Just because what you think when somebody goes on a website and your pop-up ad pops up on them, 
right? Do you think they're necessarily paying attention to that? Do you think you're giving them a good experience? You may collect their email and you may see great conversion funnel, right? But you might not be bringing them the most value that you possibly can. Now you gotta try them both. I, I understand why it works, but I also am asking you in a world to, where open email rates have gone from 25 to 13% in the last three years to start understanding we as individuals do not want to be sold to. And as technology gets better, we're going to be more difficult to get a hold of. And the way to actually get a hold of us is to do it natively. And what I mean by natively is we want to consume things in the way that doesn't stop us from doing what we naturally want to do. We don't want to be put in a place where you're bothering me. And that's why social networks are important. Social networks on your phone, which is where every day more and more of the consumption is happening, all is done natively. All you're doing on your phone, as all of you know, every day, is this, right? And what's great about selling in this way is the ad, like on a desktop, is not on the right side like it used to be on Facebook or on a website. It's just in stream. It's native. And if you figure out how to actually make that valuable to people, not just spamming them to buy and make it distracting, you will start figuring out the conversion funnel. By the way, for the short term, there's gonna be plenty of new innovations. But the psychology of selling natively to the way somebody's consuming is going nowhere. It is the way you have to think about going forward. How do I sell, how do I bring value in the habits that are already established by the individual instead of creating them to have new habits that don't come naturally to them? So those are the things I think about. You know, I, I think about how does that happen, why does that work, why was I able to sell tens of thousands of more books on this launch than my prior one, what, what did Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and Instagram do for that, why did I create Skillshare, SlideShares, why did I do all these things? It was because I was trying to maximize upfront value to leverage by giving you value, by giving you value. Do you know why you loved your parents? Because they loved you first. And when you start understanding that, you start understanding what I believe is the modern way of doing business because the kids, and I'm saying people in this room, 30 and under, 35 and under, they've been marketed to from the beginning. Us older 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, we didn't have that much marketing around us. So our bullshit radars are worse. (laughs) It's true. Whereas the cynicism of our future customers is at an all-time high and they're just starting. So, I have bad news. Marketing and business got harder. It's gonna be harder. And I just want you to realize that. And I want you to realize what really matters, which is providing value. And so, I, uh, I hope you do. Thanks for that. Okay, now, let's, uh, I know I went very holistic, but I also know that I have the advantage that 85% in this room deeply knows what I'm about and knows what they probably wanna ask me. I'm thrilled to take it from that, Mother Teresa that I just did to very granular tactical or whatever you want to do wherever you want to go with questions I'm thrilled um, so let's do some Q&A Eileen we're gonna have you guys come up to the old mic and I don't know if that's providing value Nick how about you run the mic around and people get to sit can we get it alright I'll hustle I'll hustle I'll mic run I'll hold too 
Let's go. And by the way, um, that's me just razzing Nick and having fun. I think the room's small enough and I'm thrilled to repeat the question too. So whatever you guys decide, Nick, on your end. Met you four years ago. You recommended video. Mm -hmm. Used it in my business. Yep. Quadrupled my income in the last four or five years. Thank you, everyone. Have a great night. (laughs) Seriously, with a two or three minute interaction like this, it was, was, um, I made a critical mistake. I stopped doing it because I got busy. Yes. Okay, so one of the things I want to ask you, so what is next? Because I started with the flip camera you told me to start with. Then we upgraded. Didn't focus on my business at all, by the way. Zero. Yep. First 18 months only focused on the community. Yep. That's why you have a business. I mean, guys, this is the same old game, right? Like, what happens next is at that 18-month mark, you needed to audit yourself and you needed to hire people to do the dumb shit that you didn't need to be doing so that you could have continued to kind of execute against uh, what was going on, right? I mean, I think, look, I've gotten miraculously more busy than I was four years ago, but I'm still engaging and replying to people's tweets and writing back to emails and taking time and all that stuff. Not because I'm the greatest guy ever, because it's what matters. And I hire people to do the things that matter less, even though I can do them better. See, see, the key of growing is understanding when somebody executing at an eight instead of your 11 is better for you. And that's hard for a lot of people. It's easy for me because I'm a slob, I'm not a perfectionist, I failed all my fucking classes. That's always been the way I thought about it, right? But a lot of people do things that are commodity work that they could, and, and, and even non-commodity work, but you've gotta find a balance. And very honestly, I'm gonna really go rogue on you. Just sleep one hour less and do both. I mean, like the truth is, and by the way, That's not also the answer. Maybe you've just hit the work-life balance upside that you want. I don't know what you want. See, I know what I want and I know that requires what I have to put into it. So for me, it's not what's next. What's next is, what's next in the way you asked the question to the advice they give you then that will work for you is what I wrote about in this book, which is producing content on the places people pay attention to matters, right? Like it's gonna matter. Like understanding the picture that feels like a very natural picture that you put out on Instagram but is setting you up to do business matters. It matters. Like understanding how to make an infographic for your business and putting it on Pinterest with a female-centric mentality behind it, that matters. So creating content, it's always been content, it always will be content. Right? It's the thing, what do we most care about? Movies and music, it's content. Content is king. Where we make that content and how we make that content is changing. When television came along, you had to make a video instead of audio for radio. But with television, at least this is how it played out, those videos had to be spectacular. Ultimately, those commercials became 30-second movies and shows, right? They're high quality. My belief is in social, we respond better because we got so tired of 50 years of polish, we respond better to authentic, right? We respond better to just like, your picture doesn't have to be perfect, right? I mean, you remember my, my advice to video four years ago. Everybody wanted to do video shows that looked like TV. Wine Library TV looked like I was a hostage in Afghanistan. <laughs> no audio, no lighting. Right, like just like real, you know? And it worked because it's, it was holistic to what I wanted to do, which was I wanted to take the pretentiousness out of wine, right? Um, so co- micro content, micro content. The day in, day out, 
videos and pictures and infographics and animated GIFs and all the stuff that works on the internet that brings awareness to what you're doing with a great balance of give, 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 give and then asking once in a while in that same format. And delegate other stuff, not that. Yeah, I mean, you should always be, every person in this room should wake up every day. You'll never do that, I don't either. Quarterly, this is a great time to do it. Yearly, you know, just like we all want to lose weight, you should be auditing what am I doing and can I cut the bottom 20% of what I do day in and day out and delegate that to somebody else because then I can do the things that really drive my business. Sweet, all right guys, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, it's like hot potato going with a microphone, so whoever has it, when you see the first hand you see, just bring it right over oh, to the next you're person. a crafty <laughs> Nick. And, uh, all right, so I looked at my 80-20 and I'm just taking the bottom half. I, hey, I'm using your own respect, shit, bro. Respect, That's delegation right there. Thanks, Gary. Um, yeah. One of the most important things to me is family. I have two kids yeah. and um, my wife. Yep. Um, they're very young, yep. so, you know, I... Your wife or the kids? <laughs> both, both. Okay. No, I'm playing around. Nice work. Um, my wife's older than me. Yeah. Nice. But anyhow, she, uh, you know, being here tonight was leaving our home with the kids. Yes. I stay at home. But anyhow, I know you have a family. Yes. And I have seen many men go out to work, make all the money, yep. and lose their family. Yes. And to me, my kids is the most important thing in the world. And I know awesome. I'm going to be successful. Yep. So I don't have any limiting beliefs there. Sure. But I wanted to ask you, how do you balance? I know you have kids and a wife. Yeah. How do you balance your success with being a great father and a great husband? Communication. So there is no answer to this question because every relationship is different, right? Like there's theoretical questions, but the truth is the only answer, and I've been asked this question for seven years now, and the question and the answer have evolved, and where I sit today at this moment, my answer to that question is firmly grounded in, a, in an answer that I don't think I will change, which is communication. The reason I'm able to do what I do is communication. It started on our first date. On mine and Lizzie's first date, I knew that I wanted to marry her. I called her after I dropped her off out of our first date, three minutes after our first date. Before she was fully in her apartment, I called her and I said, opening line, I said, can you believe this is it? Huh, like that's where I was at, right? <laughs> and, and we were married, married within that year, right? And on our second date, three days later, second, I told her things like, you think I'm joking, but I wanna buy the New York Jets, and you think, because you're only 23, that eventually we'll have a family and there'll be more life balance and I'll stop caring as much, and da, da, da. I will never not be this person. I'm, I know myself now and I'm not going to change. I'm hungry, I, building businesses is my oxygen, this is who I am and you need to understand that and if that's gonna be an issue at hand, then we need to talk about that. And it was communicated from the first date, second date, to now. I check in, like, I'm away this whole week, right? Like, I, you know, cause CES and, and, and this is insane. I mean, this is so rare for me to commit to anything on a Friday because I'm not gonna be home in time. I mean, I'm taking, you know, I'm, I couldn't make the red eye work. Like, I'm gonna miss time tomorrow. And so like, even though I'm coming off of 17 day vacation, the best time I have leverage in theory to take a whole week and not be home on a Saturday, I still over communicated about that issue. And so I think communication, everybody has different things. I have a lot of young entrepreneurs and, and people around me and I watch you know, the, 
and both sides. This is, you know, this is not a male, I mean, it's amazing what's going on with female entrepreneurs. I mean, the last four investments I've made, I female entrepreneurs, and I'm, it's been fun for me to have the reverse question now of like, hey, are, do you think your husband's gonna be okay with you? You need to talk about like, you know, like you need to talk about being home at two o'clock in the morning every night. Is he gonna be cool with that? Like, it's both ways. Like, you have to be honest with yourself. You have to over-communicate. Things evolve too. Things evolve, right? Like, you know, you, you may be hungry as hell now, you may not later. Like, you just have to over-communicate what your ambitions and what your wants are. If somebody truly loves you, truly loves you, they're gonna meet you halfway on what makes you the happiest. And so the way I do it is first through communication and second through extremism. What works for me is I work nine, you know, eight o'clock in the morning to midnight. I mean, I don't get home into my apartment on a weekday, so well, let's call them 250 of them, right? I'm home out of the 250 weekdays if I'm in New York City. I walk into my apartment minimum, minimum 11 p.m. I'm meetings from 7 p.m. till midnight. I mean, <laughs> you remember Nick? When, when Nick came out and did that live stream with us, did their crew, <laughs> Renee's laughing. Uh, we, we had some wine, we had some tequila, and then so we had a really good time, and it was just like, all right, we're like hanging with the CEO and this and that, and then all of a sudden, it was like, we hung out way past like what we're supposed to do together. It was super cool, and then all of a sudden, it was like, all right, guys, it's getting kind of late. It's 11 now, so let's get back to work, and they kept cranking, man. It was, it was wild. It was crazy. The office was they so They were laughing, packed. right, because we had like four people, but the book was coming. There was a lot going on. I was closing business, and like we really had a meeting at 11 p.m. Lizzie's an incredible woman. Lizzie's very independent. My wife is very independent. She can make herself happy. She's in her own world. She's got her things that matter. Like she's very, she doesn't need me for her happiness. Lizzie also grew up with a successful dad in corporate America who didn't control his schedule and traveled a lot and was very successful. So there was a lot of reasons why it works for me but it's specific to Lizzie and Gary. And I can't give that advice to everybody because you know, my best friend who runs Wine Library, his wife grew up with a dad that was home every day at 4.30. Every day at 4.30. And she struggles with Brandon coming home at seven or eight from Wine Library because that's just not what she's used to. And maybe he didn't do a good job communicating up front or whatever other variables within their relationship. And so I, I think it's communication. And, and it's ebb and flow, right? Like, you know, like two years ago, like Lizzie was like, listen, I need you to travel a little less. I'm like, baby, she's like, Listen, I'm like, all right, sorry. You know, like, you know, like, like certain years, cert, you know, like, cert, like certain years take ebb and flows. And you know what the reaction to that was? I just doubled my speaking fee, which was great, right? It, it ended up being a great win, right? <laughs> like, I traveled less but made more, like, you know. So, you know, you just, um, you just, you just have to, you just have to communicate. You have to check in. And, and, and if you're lucky enough to have what I have, which is really good EQ and you can feel it, when you feel like your partner isn't feeling right, you just need to attack it head on. Communication's the game for everything. It's how I build all my companies. It's how, communication is the reason I have a happy life because I'm uncomfortable in negativity and I dress it immediately. <laughs> yeah, that was easy. <laughs> Hello. So, hello. What's your name? I'm Emily. Emily. And I'm a doctor. And in the last six months, I realized that there's something about that that I'm not 100% alive. And I'm really an artist and okay. a healer. Okay. And when people get inspired and they're just 100% alive, that makes me happy. So I was thinking today, I just got an idea of I love celebrities. I love big events. I love socializing. Okay. And so. How do I create a business that maybe I'm 
working with celebrities who feel terrible about themselves when they're not in public, who are maybe a little depressed, anxious, but they might also provide some networks of me doing um, charity work abroad or social events where I can impact more people with just their heart feeling whole. Yep. But where do you find them? What People are not going to be searching for that. What do you call that? What do they want? Because people are not going to say, I want to be a better person, or I, I want to heal my heart, or I want to stop the racing mind, because they probably don't know they have a racing mind. You need to be on the offense, right? So, you know, yeah, I mean, li- listen, I'm the last person in the world, and plenty of people here come from SEO backgrounds, and people know that, like, I'm the most negative on SEO, even though I know it works, because... I really, I love the offense of being, you know, to me, I love SEO, it's great and all, but it's like people searching, it's, it feels defensive to me. It's like, and the psychology's great, it's why it's a trillion dollar business, right? You need something, there it is, it's great. To me, you need to story tell first. Like, you need to put out content, like, you need to, basically, I have no idea what the f- you're talking about. <laughs> I'm serious. You know, I'm being dead serious. Like, you could be talking about, like, I'm trying to, like, uh, in real time, be like, are you talking about happiness, coach? Are you talking, like, there's a, I don't know exactly what you're talking about, which means you desperately need to start putting out videos, written white papers, whatever, however you communicate to the world, whether it's video, whether it's audio, whether it's written word, whether it's through pictures, you need to communicate, it's on you to communicate to the world first and then have them reverse engineer. What business model you take from that, well, those are well-established. You're either gonna do consulting, you're either gonna do event marketing, you're either gonna represent people. I mean, there's a, nobody's inventing new business models. I just hope everyone understands. There's no invention of new business models. There's just execution in the new marketplace. And so all that I'm doing with social media is what I did with email marketing, right? Like it's just the same old thing over and over. It's just our attention goes to different places. What do you think, video game marketing, that billion dollar, they didn't invent anything. It's display advertising. You know, you're playing, you know, some game and there's a Pepsi machine in the video game in the background. That's been around forever. Nobody's inventing new, nobody asked me going forward, how am I gonna make money? They're all figured out. Pick which ones you want, you know, and decide to go there. You know, and so, you know, I could have classes and I could have events, but I don't. I choose to build my business a different way and I don't, and I think people do it whichever way feels right for them. I put out all my thoughts in a $20 book, 13, right? But I use it as a leverage point to build, you know, one of the biggest new, you know, digital agencies. Like every, you can monetize, I, I get paid to speak. Like you decide how you want to monetize that feels right for you. But first, if you're trying to sell people on the healing, happiness, behind the scenes, whatever that is, you've got to story tell first. I built business, you know, it's funny. I built VaynerMedia recently. Like the reason I was so quiet in 2012 and you know early 13 by my standards was I went back and started building a business again. I wanted to remind everybody that the reason I'm worth listening to is because I actually build businesses, right? I, you know what I did? I'm giving you advice to tell your story or and execute. I did that. You did too. If you're a doctor, you put in the work. You need to story tell. You know, when I came out and started becoming somebody of talking about things, I was already 32 years old and already built a business, or you know, already built a 70 million dollar business. That was the tangible advice. I wasn't saying it while I was coming up. If 17 year old dude in the background, right, who I like quite a bit and keep referencing, I'm not going to listen to his business advice, not because he's 17, unless he actually built a business. 
right? Like, like so, you know, I don't know, I'm a big fan of only listening to people that have actually done the thing they're giving advice about. I mean, to me, that's the craziest going on. Hey, Hi Gary, I'm uh, Justin Finkelstein, and um, I've been over the last couple of months. I've been building my whole audience on SoundCloud, and I basically Love it. tell other people's stories. But I noticed Love in your, SoundCloud. I noticed well, that's what I'm working yeah. to hear. I noticed in your book, it's not mentioned. Nobody's really talking about it. Yep. Can you speak a little bit about the platform? The reason nobody's talking about it, quote unquote, is this focus to me was on the businesses more than a personal brand. Even though I did put in some celebrities in there, more for like, haha, look how bad Little Wayne's doing it. You know, um, audio is very difficult. You know. Slash, not really, right? But for me, meaning, here's what I mean. Personality audio is easier, right? Look, we're living through a a resurgence of podcasts, as a lot of people know, right, in the tech space over the last year or two. Um, But audio is, you know, if you look at what's really working in today's society, it's picture-based. Pictures are the killer app, right? You know, if if you look at Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest, Instagram, and you look at them on your phone, they're all the same product. It's pictures. Audio is very different. There's a time commitment mm. that we are not willing to give a society at the highest of scale. The number one asset, the number one commodity that we all treasure right now is time. And that limits audio's upside because time is required at such a heavy weight. Doesn't mean it's not important. As a matter of fact, I believe it's an advantage. If you're able to communicate in audio form, I think SoundCloud is incredible. I'm a huge fan. I love that you're jamming on there. And, uh, and that's great. I mean, the reason I don't talk about it though, it's dramatically less practical to a lot of people. And more importantly, this book was predicated on all the learnings that I've learned from VaynerMedia for the last 18 to 24 months, and we don't have any learnings from SoundCloud. So I don't like to talk about shit. I don't know what the I'm talking about. Great, thanks a lot. Yeah. Hey Gary, um, hey, we're, we're gonna spice up a little bit. So we got a mic runner. And so if you wanna point and shoot for yeah, whoever wants let's it. Let's go that lady Boom. right there in the middle. Sweet. Yep, that's you, you can stand. The mic really wasn't getting too far. So, um, What's your name? Nisha. Nisha. Uh, so actually the first time I came across you, I didn't like you because you used a lot of F-bombs. Yes. And I thought it was a little over the top. Yes. But then uh, you kind of grew on me and I did some research on that team you're crazy about. And yes. I actually don't have a question. I do have a question, but I want to follow the advice in your book, which is the jab, 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 yes. right hook. And the jab that I wanted to ask the whole audience to work with me on is, what can we do to help you win that that prize, you know. You mean by the New York Jets? Yeah, like I'm sure the bunch of us here and the networks we have can make it happen. Yep. And um, I challenge everyone here to kind of join me on that is because the guy who owns it actually, um, Woody Johnson? Yeah, so I guess you know more than I do, but (laughs) he he spent $600 million when the worth of the team was about 200 million, which is kind of crazy when you have that kind of money. But I think what he cares about, his daughter died of diabetes when she was 30 years old. And That's right. It's heartbreaking to lose your child, no matter what. And I think there's an angle there because we are all human beings. So that's kind of just an opening. I do have my own sort of business I'm working on, but I'm so effed up about that right now that... <laughs> that I... I probably should probably get some therapy first before I actually do it, or I'll mess the whole thing up. Thanks. Thank you, Nisha. <laughs> um, you know, as, uh, that's very nice. And listen, you know, it's so funny. As you were asking that, it's, it's funny. It, you know, at the end of the day, everybody's 
the number one thing I would tell everybody to do is bet on your strengths, right? Like I'm so fascinated by the, the amount of money made in America on teaching us to fix the things that we're not naturally good at, right? Whether it's weight loss, whether it's, you know, you know it, it, it runs the gamut. The amount of money made in the world on trying to make you good at something you're naturally never ever gonna be good at is pretty remarkable. It, and, it, and something just happened during your question that reminded me of that, and here's what it is. The reason I love jab, 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 right hook, give, 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 and then ask, is I'm uncomfortable the other way. You, I'm never uncomfortable. You wanting to help me buy the Jets and getting everybody help made me feel uncomfortable. I don't like getting without giving first. And, and it's just so interesting. And so what it made me think was question, okay, maybe I'm giving advice to people who only want to get, get, get. And so how do I help them build infrastructure so whether maybe they don't, Maybe they're not the engine of giving, but maybe they surround themselves with a team that is doing that. I just wanted to share that. Cool. That gentleman right there in front of you. Yep. Hey, Gary. My name's Andy Hagen. I'm a DJ here in San Diego. I do weddings and parties and events. Awesome, Andy. I've had a brand that I brought with me from Minnesota when I got to San Diego, and not too many people knew it out here. Now, I've been here for 14 years. Cool. And I'm pretty well established with a lot of the venues and a lot of the other pros. They recommend. Are you me a, a lot. Vikings fan or a Chargers fan? I'm a Vikings fan. Good. And it's yeah. And uh, respect. My, <laughs> my question is: is I'm about to do a brand relaunch, and okay. I'm just curious if you had the chance to do a whole brand makeover on any one of your businesses or something similar to what I'm trying to do. What would be your first things, or what would be your your for sure go-to things to do? Or how would you have fun doing it? Even the way you posed the question makes me immediately, intuitively think that you're overthinking it. Okay. Okay? So, like, I think when people talk about brand, like, specifically when you're providing a service like what like you do and you're a human being, I always get this feeling like everybody's trying to figure out, like, which WWF wrestling character should I be, right? And I get, like, completely, like, I always want to take a step back, right? So... Everybody around me in the last five to seven years, my handlers, my agents at CAA, my speaking, my all this, every one of them has asked me, stop talking, like, this was the biggest conversation three, four years ago. Don't talk about wine and business and the Jets and cursing and all this. You're not a stand, like, they, they asked me to narrow what I was, right? They're like, you can't talk about wine and business and the Jets and this, like, you're confusing the market. I'm like, you're, what are you talking about, right? Like, there's this cookie cutter thought about branding that is so broken. What you want, my advice to you is to just be you, right? To not overthink what brand you're trying to, to be. This is, you know, it's very easy for you to articulate what value you bring, right? That you, you provide entertainment in these events, you're good at it, you've done it for a long time. I think what you may be asking me even subconsciously is a slightly different question, which is where is the opportunity market? You know, and that's what I think is the differentiation that I'm trying to understand. Go ahead. No, yeah, that, that's probably more of it. Like, it, it, there's some missed opportunities I've had with my brand in the past. Like, what six, does that seven, mean? Talk well, with Facebook or okay. with any social Got marketing it. and stuff. Um, if I could start with a clean slate and have a better. Um, so you feel you don't feel great about the stuff you've put out on those platforms, right? You threw too many right hooks. I, I feel like that, yeah. And so the best part is America loves the redemption. So just stop doing dumb, <laughs> and everybody will be pumped. 
Perfect. You, do you know what I mean though? I mean, you know, just, by the way, there's a yang to the ying that I said earlier. Remember when I said you're not entitled to anything and like, you, you know, you're only good as your last day? Well, it's kind of the cool thing about entrepreneurship. If you screwed it up for the last seven years, just stop screwing it up and go forward and you'll see the results of the good thing. You know what I mean? I think that's really the way to look at it. All right, thanks. Yeah, you got it, brother. Uh, how about the gentleman all the way to back against the wall? Um, there's a lot of intelligent people in this room and I feel like a What's lot What's your name, of, man? Billie Jean. Billie Jean. Hey, not like the Michael Jackson song, get your jokes out now, get your jokes out now. <laughs> um, but, but I feel like an, a lot of people You're really, not my lover. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you told not, me, you not. told me to get I'm my glad, joke I'm in. I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah, on the same we're page. very much on the same page. <laughs> um, <laughs> Go ahead. And so I feel like a lot of us kind of know what to do, but my question is, yeah. is, what's your secret to actually doing like making it happen? Because I feel like that's the only struggle that anyone actually has. So just, I mean, what's your advice on that? I got a really good answer to this, and this one I never knew for a, I, man, did I used to dodge this question. Because it's like, what do you say, right? Like, dude, I, you know, right. I, I think there's a couple things. First of all, if I could give every one of you one thing, if I could inject, and we'll probably be getting to this kind of stuff soon in our society, right, Doc? Like, inject <laughs> You know, if I could inject one personality trait, Billy Jean, into every single person in this room, it'd be self-awareness. Because if you have self-awareness, you've got a prayer. Now, not everybody has it. So like the advice I'm about to give first is to the self-aware. You know, to the self-aware in the room, you A, know what motivates you, right? You know, do other people motivate you? Does money motivate you? Does you know, the work-life balance? Like, trying to really deeply get into what motivates you is important. But, the, but really what the big game is, is how do you get to the truth? You know, the reason people don't do things is because of the truth. You know, they don't want to face the, tr- they don't want to, b- we trick the living shit out of ourselves. Like the human brain is gangster, right? Like it, it lets us do incredible things. If the day, you know, I got an answer. You know how like when you got to college slash a little bit older, how, do you know that real big shift we all went through between high school and then let's say whether it was cop, like between 16 and 23, like when you're 14 or 15, you can't take any jokes about you, you just don't have your self-esteem up enough, right? You're against it, and somewhere by 22, you're making jokes about yourself, and everything just got a lot better and easier. I'm trying to figure out how to articulate that same business version. I, from the get, knew what I sucked at, knew what I was good at, and didn't care that I sucked at those things, and just went. Like for, and also knew what I tapped out at, right? Like I know how I'm gonna buy the New York Jets. You know, maybe it's gonna be some amazing random woman in San Diego that helps me get it. <laughs> but that wasn't the game plan, right? The game plan was betting on my strengths, which is I, don't, I can't build Facebook and Twitter, right? I can't become a hedge fund this. What I can do is build brands. So long term, I'm gonna launch a bubble gum or a sneaker brand. I will build something that I will sell for multi-billions of dollars and then have a chance to do it. I've known this forever and I've been doing everything in my career towards it. Retail, now an agency that represents billion dollar brands, and I'm eating crow, I have a service business. I hate clients, <laughs> right? But, but I'm learning what I'm learning and I need to learn and I'm meeting the right people along the way. So Bill J, I think the way to, the way to really do stuff is to do the stuff you actually like to do. And everybody's tricking you along the way, including yourself, of all the other things you need to do. When you become whole and confident enough, like this is just what I do, and, and this is the real brain When you're okay with where it taps you out at, 
When you're like, cool, I'm only gonna make $300,000 a year. When you can get there, or 50, or 5 million, or whatever it may be, when you just can get cool with where you're at, and what you're good at, and what that leads itself to, a couple of funny things happen. You start saving a lot of time on other stuff, which allows you to play the game slightly different and opens up other opportunities that you would have never had. So I think, you know, it's impossible for me to give you this, there's no tactic, this is not like do 10 sit-ups, right? You're asking me like, I know that I need to do sit-ups, how the hell do I get to do the sit-ups? The truth is, you just, you, you don't do the sit-ups. You do something else, you run, right? You do push-ups, you do backflips in the pool, you do the that you wanna do. And like, I really believe in that tremendously. Like, I'm terrible at anything that I don't wanna do. And so is everybody else. Cool, let's show them back here. And then I'm gonna go to the right side in the front here, so anybody, if you got you, got you, okay. My hey. name's Thriller, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I guess I have to stand up. Yes. Uh, no, my name's Dave Austin, and I, I get the patience, I, I, I love it. Yep. But I wanna know your time frame on the Jets. I wanna know how much you want it, I really do, because it's very doable. So I would've just wanted yeah, to know I mean, what your, you know, what your, listen, what your plan I, is. I eat my own dog food. I really have, I never think about that. I, I'm, I'm being, I think I'm being 1 billion percent honest with you. I never think about that. Fundamentally, I think it's somewhere in a 20 to 25 year window. That's what feels intuitive, gut feel. If I had a bet, but I never think like, you know, if I don't get it by 47 or 52, it's not a, it's just not how I think. I really don't. I'm completely convinced that it's doable, but I've done a lot of the hard things and the patient things that have set me up. Most of my, you know, when I invested in Twitter and Tumblr and Facebook and those companies, I made money. But because I didn't have that much money, I could only make so much. When you're putting $50,000 into an investment, even if you make six million, which is, right? It's still not enough to buy a billion dollar team. But oh, by the way, the people you invested in happen to have four and five and six and seven hundred million dollars, exactly. right? So I do a lot of things. I'm strategic as fuck for all my <laughs> f bombs, for all my insanity, for all my like hyperness. I'm quite an interesting little poddler, and I know where it's gonna go. But I don't care if I'm 47 or 53 or 62. Cool. One last question then. This last book. Did you have any kind of time frame as far as when you wanted to bring it out? Yes, as soon as possible because I wanted to own the story as the guy that most put this out there. I know that the art of putting out content that is in micro in essence and on social networks is marketing for the next half decade to a decade and I wanted to own the story. And as soon as I believed in it and believed that I could deliver something great, I moved as quickly as I could. Awesome. Tonight maybe I'll talk about buying the Jets. Great. Let's go over here. Young lady over here. I'm paying attention, Nick, on the Hi. time. Hi, I what's you your name? Could, I'm Jessica. Jessica. I wonder if you could speak to the fact that some businesses yep. deal with more private issues in a consumer's life. Okay. And I feel that it can be challenging sometimes to reach them on social media. For example, I work with eating disorders. Yeah. And not everybody wants to publicly broadcast, hey, Yeah, I who's like tweeting like, I'm f***ed up, I can't eat <laughs> You know, I get it. I watched your Maria Fo- Marie Forleo episode. I was like, kind of yelling at, it, but like, but 
how you know because not everybody wants to identify you said it was about the identity and like of course not everybody wants well, to identify. Well, you, yeah but you're thinking about the notion of like people put, like oh it's so easy for you wine guy right <laughs> people say they're drinking wine and you can jump into that but that's you're just looking at it from one tactic mm-hmm. again your business since people aren't openly sharing it is not super different than doc over here it's on you to put out great content that reaches them so if i'm you Right, I'm figuring out very quickly how to story tell around your issue. I mean, nobody has more upside than you because I've looked at eating disorder data. I mean, you have a lot of young women that are in that game, especially early on. 70 million. They live on these three platforms. If you don't figure out how to put out content on Snapchat, Instagram, and Pinterest around this issue, like you should start a series of did you know. Like you know the answers to certain questions that if I said something you would answer, well flip it and start a series of did you know and like ways to help people. You, you're in the public broadcasting business, right? You're in PSA business. That's what you're in. You just have to make it micro. No more 30 second, no, no more, you know, I did it because of you, like drug TV commercials, right? That, that, that's over, that's 80s for all you youngsters. Um, <laughs> What you need to do is make those versions of that content. So you have to put out content and then you have to be smart about your mechanics. Maybe for you, on, you put out a piece of content, it drives to a page and then that page contacting you can be anonymous. Because if I made the contacting anonymous, my belief is that I would get more young women feeling more comfortable to say I have a problem and then if I can talk to them, maybe on the second transaction it'll give me their name versus them coming to the website, seeing that they have to put their name and backing out. So you just need to figure out your funnel. Cool. How about the jump in the white hat? I promised to back there. Did did I answer your question? Hold on. You, you know, I mean, like you're not going to be able to jump into. You're not going to get massive shares, but you don't need massive shares. I mean, do you many, listen for everybody that looks like me that makes lots of money and being out there? There's people that are making six times more money than me that you've never heard of. Like, there's a lot of ways to skin it. Right, so you're not gonna win the eight, but you may get massive shares because you have to think about how to do it. Like when you could do fluffier content that is did you know, that isn't a hard hitting issue, but it's an innuendo that was more likely to be shared on Pinterest than not. You know what I mean? I mean, you're not gonna put like negative, like hardcore messaging, that's not gonna be shared, but like you could put out enormous amounts of content that leads to you and that leads to that conversion. It's content. You have, you, you, but you don't need to get the social media exposure because nobody wants an innuendo that they have an eating disorder if they don't want anybody to know, which makes a ton of sense. It's private. But you could still be putting out tons of content. There's also thousands, tens of thousands of people that find this issue to be very powerful. right? You have, you have millions of men and women who've been cured from or are on the right track from eating disorders that would be thrilled to share. I just... I, you, you're a very obvious case of a question for me. You've decided to narrow in on the negative instead of realizing all the positive, right? You're like, woe is me, I can't do this. Who gives a fuck? Don't do it and do all the other shit. You can do a load of stuff. You're focusing on one little thing. That was for all of you, just so you know. That was, a, that was me ranting to like make sure everybody heard that. Cool, yes sir. 
Hey, Gary. My name is Michael. Um, my wife and I just finished uh, a web series. Okay. And we're about to release it. Like, it hasn't even been... We just literally finished editing it two weeks ago. You mean uh, a video? A vi yeah, it's, it's an eight-part series. So Got it's it. eight episodes. They're about two to three minutes each. So we're nice. really super excited about the micro Congr content. Congrats. Um, it's called Saved by the Pole. Okay. Um, and it's uh, basically um, set in the world of a strip club. So we want to... It's comedic. It's funny. It's, it's tasteful. Um, we want to <laughs> get... <laughs> yeah, don't judge him. <laughs> don't judge him. <laughs> We, want, uh, we actually have one of the stars of The Sopranos in it, Vinny Pastore, who played Big Pussy, so we yep. were able to do some good stuff. Um, so we want to basically get people to see it, eyeballs to watch it. Um, ultimately, our goal is to get, have it go viral and uh, get the attention of Netflix, Hulu, and some of the big, the big uh, companies to so basically buy it or... or right, so you're stuff. basically putting out a web series yes. and, and you want to turn it into money, yeah. like the eight other billion web series that are gonna come out next week. Exactly. Okay, so what's the question? How do we do that? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think, you know, I think number one, I think number one, uh, it was the first thing I talked about when I got here, mm -hmm. which is if the web series sucks, no tactic is gonna help you. Right. If it's great, you already have a prayer, right? right? You know, to me, what I talk about in my book, what I believe in most is you take the best four, five, six seconds from those three minutes and you put out that content and make it shareable, right? So like that's one thing, that's a tactic to think about. Number two, relentless without spamming awareness tactics. You should, how long have you been taping this series? Uh, we just shot it in New York. Uh, about a year ago, but we got pregnant in between, so Congrats. we had to take time off. That's awesome. <laughs> so now that he's seven months old, now we're back on it. We just Love finished it. editing it, so we had to take a little little break. Awesome. You should have figured out the 500 people on Twitter that you think could have affected this outcome of viewership, and you should have, a year ago, started building relationships with them so that your first, everybody tries to make stuff happen, and they do it when the, you know how you sell a book? You sell it a year before it comes out. You don't sell it when it comes out because now you're running out of time. And when you don't have time, you go in for the right hook without any jabs. You immediately have to go home, map the 500 people, whether they're producers, whether they're executives at Netflix. You have to do work. You have to map the 500 people that matter to, that can drive success for this, former strippers, like whatever it is. <laughs> I'm being serious. I'm being serious. And you need to start building a relationship with them. Okay. Maybe replying to what they're talking about. It's not about you. Yeah. Because if you're just gonna tweet 10, 15 random people and be like, hey, check out our thing, you're just asking with no context. Yeah. That never works, yeah. right? So my biggest piece of advice is one, think about how to take the best clips and make them smaller and get them out there. But two, parallel, build some relationships so that people drive awareness to those smaller clips to create more sharing, to bring more awareness. But that's what we did, because originally it was gonna be a 20 minute and then yep. we cut it down to eight two minute yep. segments. So now. My question, my other part is how do we release it? Should we release it all at once or like once a day or once a week? Or what, like what Both have best? worked from what I've looked at. Again, a lot is predicated on the quality, yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, but make sure you're distributing it everywhere you can. Um, that for sure, you just, you know, don't worry about it being ex anywhere exclusive. Also give a lot of thought to websites that share, you know, college humor, yeah. like all those kind of distribution places, not just, not just social networks. Actual dot-coms, break.com, like distribution. It's not just YouTube and mm. social networks. You know, hit up, you know, 9gag. There's just so many things out there. Okay. Oh, cool. You see, it's, on, it's called savedbythepole.com. The website's up. Thanks, brother. All right. Should I wrap it up, Nick? Uh, yeah, awesome, let's do oh. it. Cool. Um, let's do this gentleman up here. 
and then we're going to go to the dude that's against the wall, all the way in the back. Hey, Gary. My name is Dave. Hey, Dave. Uh, my question is, uh, you mentioned earlier that information is basically useless. Um, in, in I said that in, basically information is less valuable than it's ever been because it's at our fingertips. So <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm an affiliate marketer. Yep. And uh, all this great content that is being created by other people, all yep. this great information. Yep. Uh, is that something that you might recommend repurposing that in, in the different social networks and, and using that for um, providing value if I find it and just sharing that as opposed to maybe get, maybe creating uh, <clears throat> creating my content. I think you know. A- I think so. Listen, I never like giving advice that I don't take myself. I rarely DJ content. I almost never. I mean, I have a hundred and twenty thousand tweets. I think I've done like fifty pieces of content that hasn't been mine. You know, ninety-two percent of it is me engaging with you guys, and the other eight percent is like, here's my stuff. That's my tactic. But you look at other people, and they've done Jason Kotke, Jason Hirschhorn, like. The reason I, lo- I, I think the answer is if you can do your own stuff and you can provide value, you do as much of that as possible. Because that brings, that's your equity, you get a lot of equity out of that. But much like following what's going on with EDM music, it's interesting to see the DJs having more brand equity than sometimes the artists. So there is a place for DJs because we like time. If I follow you on Twitter and I feel like you do a great job, if I think that you're spending four hours a day reading everything around the web and then I can consume it in 13 minutes, you've provided me value. Got it? So the answer is a mix to some degree. I should probably do a little more DJing, um, but, uh, but it comes down to what makes it work for you. Got it, thank you. Cool, man. We're gonna go to the gentleman all the way in the back. I like how you stood early. I like the, uh, that was the best. I mean, the Charger fans in this room love me for winning that Dolphins game. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I know you've, you've talked a lot about how Instagram, yeah. you think moving forward is the most powerful I think Instagram platform. is basically okay. Facebook right now. Yeah, because um, now how would you take people from Instagram and get them on your site? You since, can't. Yes, yeah, because you can't it, link out. Exactly. So you have to so, treat it like print magazine and outdoor billboard mentality. You have to inspire them through the picture because you can't do it tactically through the execution of the tech. Indeed. Okay. Good enough answer. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's the right <laughs> answer. Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's what I got. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Uh, Let's take this shaman in the hat. Yep, yep, this guy right here. Oh, did you have it? it? Was that it? Let's give it to this shaman right here. Oh. (laughs) You got me. Um... (laughs) By the way, this has been a great day, Nick. I really, this is, I didn't expect this. This is great. The whole team, the whole team. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, like a lot of people here probably. What's I read, your name, man? My name is John. My name is John. Uh, like a lot of people here, I, I read Crush It in about uh, a weekend. And for me, that's very fast. Okay. Um, and I was completely inspired. I've worked in fashion for 13 years. And uh, so I was like, I think I could do that. You know, like I speak a lot. I'm going to speak uh, at a at a fashion summit in two weeks from now, it's gonna, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curating the panel and stuff, so I'm into it. So I'm like, okay, pick a niche, I could do this. Been doing streetwear fashion specifically for 13 years, built brands, worked with brands. A year ago, I got hired, I was a creative director of a brand, 
And that put my, I, I tried a YouTube channel and then I, I kind of put it on pause. So uh, we got sued by Burberry about a year ago uh, from now. <laughs> okay, and, or, You know, uh, last year. So I'm like, <laughs> that's great. You know, I had my whole year planned for 13. And I'm like going to China, going to Vegas for all of this stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, I should check out my YouTube channel that I, that I started. And I'm like, whoa, this is still getting subscribers. So I dedicated the end of the year, the beginning of this year, and this is why Nick's stuff is so great for me. It's really speaking to me. I, I'm following you. Like, basically, this is great for me because I follow your advice. I've seen all your videos a million times. So I'm at a point where I feel like I'm jabbing. Yep. I have like 60 videos up. I try to drop three videos a week. It's called yep. Designer Advice. Um, uh, Designer John Phenom on YouTube is my channel. And so I'm trying to figure out. So this year, I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep jabbing. I'm, re I'm, I'm getting through the book. I'm keep jabbing. And I'm trying to speak somewhere every month because the venues don't really exist. So I I'm going to create some of the venues. Good for you. So here's my question. Please. How do I, how do I monetize? I mean, you know, the, so how do you monetize? Back to what I said earlier, which is all the monetizing ways have been created. We have to decide what you're best at and what you want to do. Do you want to build your personal brand so you can write a book and get paid to publicly speak? Do you want to sell a product, right? Do you want to build an agency because you're a creative director and you want to go that route? There's a lot of ways you can go. I think the real question to me, to you is from me, how do you want to monetize? Do you want to answer? Uh, yeah, I guess I gotta figure that out. There's a, I mean, because there's. That, Let me I ask mean, you a better question. Yes. Using all the self-awareness you have in your body, uh -huh. what do you think the best way for you to monetize is? Because, by the way, we're living through a very interesting time where everybody thinks they have to have their own business, which is not true. Like, we have to really understand that, and I know that's kind of like sacrilege to a room like this. But like, <laughs> but like, but like. Maybe the best way for you to monetize yeah. is to become the creative director at Puma and make $900,000 a year. And ha like, I don't know you. And I don't know what the best way for you to monetize is. Right. But I promise you there's no confusion of how you monetize. Right? Like you can start a brand and sell it through YouTube. I mean, it, how good are you? And like, what are you good at? But like, there's plenty of ways to monetize. And by the way, giving away shit for free is an incredible way to start to monetize. Let me explain. Back to Andy, DJ. I, I was thinking, I, I didn't get to this on your question. I've got like four, 50 DJs at this point since Crush It that I've literally built their careers completely unpredicated on them giving away two or three events for free up front within whatever genre they wanted to be in. Because it's the best word of mouth business ever. You do one wedding for free and you're good. There's seven other people at that wedding that are about to get married and you get their business. This notion of not giving stuff away for free is insanity. So, you know, you want to get paid to speak at events? Go do a bunch of them for free, like I did. And now I get paid a lot, right? And so, but not because I did it for free, because I was awesome at it, right? And so, like, you have to be good too. Right? Like, you could give away a free DJing at a wedding and you might ruin the f***ing wedding. No referrals. <laughs> right? right? So it's, it's, a, it's a combination of hustle and execution. Billie Jean's question was the most interesting for me that I liked because that's all I care about. Like, if you can execute, it's easy. But then people get romantic and philosophical about it. Like, my, that's my time. That's what I actually sell. You're not entitled to shit, Right? So give, put out, put out the work, and the network effect will happen if you're good enough. And if you're not, cool. 
try the next thing that you might be good at. Everybody's got something. It just, it's true. Now, but not everybody should have their own business. And being self-aware enough to know, hey, here's what I'm great at, let me be a, you know how much money the number two through 15 person at VaynerMedia is gonna make? You know how much money and how much happiness and how much none of the pressure that I deal with they're going to have? So self-awareness is the theme. Maybe you're just a great number two or a great number three or just a great creative director, maybe. And there's nothing wrong with that. And when you start tripling down on what you are and what you're good at, many better things start happening. Many better things. I'm very concerned about the notion of, you know, the social network movie came out. Everybody, you know, everybody thinks they're Mark Zuckerberg all of a sudden. Everybody's watching Shark Tank. Everybody thinks they're a f-ing entrepreneur. They're not. The amount of f-ing bull fake entrepreneurs that are rolling around America right now is ludicrous. People that never sold in their, if you didn't sell something before you were 15, 17, 19, 20 years old, you're not a salesperson. Do you understand that? And so like, like I, you know, I think that there needs more and more self-awareness. Just like I didn't draw or create, when, but you did, right? So like, you know, like, you've gotta bet on what you are and you can't let what it looks like out there dictate. You just need to get true inside and start executing against that. It just works every time. Put, the reason I build big businesses with hundreds of employees is because I put players in the best position to succeed. Do you know how many people come into my company and think they're a creative director and I make them an account manager? And they don't like it. But that's what I do for a living. Put players in the best position to succeed. What I'm asking you here tonight in San Diego to do is to get as self-aware with yourself as possible and put yourself in the best position to succeed. Don't try to do what you think is the right move. Don't do what you think is the biggest money-making opportunity. Do the thing that you've always done since you were a kid and triple, quadruple, and 10x down on that, period. Dude, round of applause.